You cannot understand America without understanding the South. It's the fastest growing, youngest, and most diverse part of the country. And Southerners are changing the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the food we eat, and the stories we share. I'm John Hammontree, host of The Reckon Interview, and each week I sit down and talk with some of the South's most interesting thinkers and creators. We talk about how this place shaped them and how they're reshaping the South. So go ahead and subscribe to The Reckon Interview, available wherever you get your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. As the novel coronavirus wreaks havoc in Alabama and across the world, these are the stories of those seeking to survive the disease and its economic strain. It's always dangerous to discount a disease that can be so deadly and so fatal, regardless of the group that is being most affected by this. If it's not you that's being affected, it could still be one of your family members. Today we hear from Dr. Karen Landers, Assistant State Health Officer with the Alabama Department of Public Health. We cover a difficult topic, Alabama's mortality rate, or as it's commonly referred to, the death rate. As of Wednesday, July 1st, 2020, Alabama had 38,442 confirmed cases and 947 confirmed deaths, according to the Alabama Department of Public Health. AL.com's Dennis Pillion reported this week about one in nine Alabamians aged 65 and older who have been diagnosed with COVID-19 has died, also according to the Department of Public Health. State Health Officer Dr. Scott Harris said that about three-quarters of all of Alabama's deaths are senior citizens, while they only make up about 17% of the state's cases. Despite the safer-at-home restrictions, which Governor Ivey extended until July 31st on Tuesday, the number of confirmed coronavirus cases in Alabama continues to increase. I spoke to Assistant State Health Officer Dr. Karen Landers about Alabama's mortality rate, how the numbers work, and whether they've changed at all, who in Alabama is dying, and why insisting you'll be fine since the death rate is so low is a dangerous way to think and live. Dr. Landers, I want to ask you about the mortality rate in Alabama. First off, to understand the actual rate, is it as simple as dividing the number of confirmed deaths by the number of confirmed cases? I know that there's a difference between case fatality rate, infection fatality rate. How exactly does it work? Well, really, we look at deaths in terms of the overall cumulative age-adjusted mortality rate. Uh, and we calculate that based upon the numbers of deaths per 100,000 population. So that's probably the easiest way to look at it statistically. What are those numbers for Alabama right now? Well, if you look at our, our age-adjusted, cumulative age-adjusted mortality rate, it's 14.9 cases per 100,000 population. But it's really a, an age-adjusted number based upon the uh, the U.S. population, standard population data for the state of Alabama. Who exactly is dying in Alabama right now? Are, are there certain ages and other demographics that stand out to you, or do Alabama's deaths reflect what we're seeing nationwide? Well, overall, we, we look at our deaths, and of course you can... Uh, 
obtain this information off of our dashboard uh, as well as off of our case characteristics. But if you look overall at the numbers of, of deaths in Alabama, it does appear that uh, we are mirroring something similar to what is going on uh, in the nation, and that is that persons in the older population are more affected by COVID-19 in terms of death. But I caution that that does not mean that persons that are in a younger age group are immune from this happening, and certainly it can happen. So how has the mortality rate changed during the course of the pandemic? Is it fluctuating with more testing and confirmed cases, or has it more or less remained the same? Well, this really, of course, the, the mortality rate will go up in a cumulative manner. But as far as looking at the overall data and the overall groups that have been uh, affected that's not really changed significantly in this. I mean, if we look at our case characteristics, and you probably could pull those up on your uh, on the computer, but if you look at our case characteristics, you know, overall probably close to 78% or so of our deaths in Alabama are in age groups greater than or equal to 65 years of age. So that has not significantly changed. We do see that our overall breakdown between males and females uh, is about the same. And the smaller number of deaths, we've had about 40 deaths that have occurred in persons with no underlying health problems. But most of our deaths have occurred in persons in older age groups and persons with underlying health diseases. Uh, cardiovascular disease being the more prominent of the factors, but also seeing that diabetes has played a significant role in uh, COVID-19 mortality. Well, and you just said that there were people who have died who didn't have underlying issues. Why would they succumb if they don't have underlying issues? I know we're learning a lot about the virus as it continues, but why would that be? Well, again, anyone, because this virus, uh, again, is a relatively new virus, there is still ongoing information and ongoing research uh, related to it. But if you look at persons that have no underlying health problems, what we are aware of is that this is a very severe virus and uh, it certainly can set up a lot of problematic issues, blood clots actually being one of the uh, conditions that can occur with COVID-19, which can lead to stroke, it can lead to heart attack, uh, you know, can also lead to other uh, phenomenon, pulmonary emboli or clots in the lungs. I mean, that's just one thing that uh, we can see in persons that might previously have been well. In addition to that, we do know that this virus sets up quite a significant inflammatory reaction in the body, which can account for some of these other uh, conditions and certainly persons who progress to having the acute uh, respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS and then progress onto a ventilator certainly run a very high risk of not uh, surviving from this. So while that number has been small, I don't think we need to take any level of comfort in the fact that, well, that number's been small in people that didn't have underlying health problems. 
because that is still a concern and, and it's still significant. So the overarching message is that anyone, anyone can get COVID and anyone can die of COVID. And also being aware that persons who are infected with COVID, if they infect someone in a higher risk age group, then that certainly is a, is a factor and puts that person uh, that's in that higher risk age group or health condition group at risk for mortality. Based on what you just said, something I keep hearing from people is that coronavirus isn't a big deal because the death rate is so low in their view. Is that a dangerous way to look at this? It's always dangerous to discount a disease that can be so deadly and so fatal. And again, regardless of the group that is being most affected by this, if it's not you that's being affected, it could still be one of your family members, uh, loved ones, or person in the community. So I, I really think that the message must be that while this disease at the moment in Alabama appears to be mirroring the same information that we're seeing in other parts of the nation, and that is older persons having underlying health problems and succumbing to this, uh, that does not mean that, again, other persons cannot have severe outcomes and, and potentially die. I mean, we do know that uh, while we've not had in Alabama at the moment the uh, multi-system inflammatory syndrome of children, uh, that that can happen and that that could be a severe outcome as well. So we do expect uh, that we may see some other severe outcomes. Again, this is a novel virus, so we're not quite certain what else uh, it's going to present to us. I think... As the spread continues and people see more data, they begin to think of this strictly in numbers, and they might lose sight of the fact that every number is a human being. So whatever they consider a small figure, in their eyes, those who think the odds might be in their favor, if they're in a certain age bracket or they're not immunocompromised, I'm just curious, as a doctor working to slow the spread and helping Alabama through this crisis, what do you see when you see those numbers? What comes first in your mind? Well, I think you've made a very good point. And as a physician of uh, many years in practice, you know, what I can say is that we, even those of us who look at data all the time, have to stop, step back and look at it and remember that that's someone's family, uh, that's someone's loved one, uh, that's someone's grandmother, grandfather, father, mother, sister, brother. Again, that person, every life is important and every life is meaningful. And so the message that I continue to remind is that while persons in, you know, younger age groups are less likely to have a severe outcome, uh, that, you know, certainly we want to protect persons that are more vulnerable. So, you know, I think we have to take it as a personal responsibility uh, to protect the persons around us, to protect the persons that just do not have a competent immune system or do have an underlying health problem are are more at risk for a severe outcome. And again, you know, the time spent on a ventilator, if a person progresses to a ventilator, can be, you know, very, very, very difficult. And when persons progress to ventilators, their chance of survival or their risk of death, you know, is markedly different once they are on mechanical ventilation. So, uh, again, it's just a way for us to take responsibility for those around us 
uh, whether it's our family member or our community, to try to reduce the spread of this virus. Well, finally, Dr. Landers, what's encouraging you about the numbers in the crisis right now? Well, you know, I I think that if we could look at one part of it that is uh, somewhat encouraging is the overall numbers of persons who at least have no symptoms that we are aware of that are now out of home quarantine, uh, that are uh, out of hospitalization. And I think all of those are encouraging. But then the question still arises, what about long-term sequelae of COVID-19? We just really don't know that at the moment. Uh, and there is a lot of information that's starting to come out about potential long-term side effects of in COVID-19. So, you know, while I am pleased that, you know, we have an overall number of persons that have uh, been released from quarantine or are no longer being affected by this, you know, I am concerned about what else we do not know about this virus. Dr. Landers, thank you so much for the time. Absolutely. If you or anyone else you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.